when you start saying and doing these things. And uh, I got a Christmas message for you of a kind. And my title today, if we could have the first slide up, Robert, is um, Happy New Year. A lot of wives are looking forward to that one, eh? For the husband. Happy New You. Happy New You. Well, Christmas preparations, especially in Andrew Perry's house, are already taking place. They're already taking place. And presents actually prepared this. And Andrew gave me a wonderful present drama for it. I wasn't expecting, but I was literally going to open this, Andrew, by saying, and presents by the millions are being prepared and even delivered as we speak. So give it up for Andrew Perry there. He's the man. He's the man. He's the man. That's brilliant. And today I want to deliver a Christmas present. A Christmas present in the form of a sermon. And uh, every Christmas present, you can hardly get any Christmas presents now that don't come with a warning. Everything is a warning. Make sure, warning number one, don't let your kids eat these batteries. Warning number two, don't wash it at this temperature. Warning number three, don't even iron it. Pfeiffers don't even listen to that one. They don't iron anyway. So every single thing you get now, and the truth is, how many people even bother to read the warning, never mind apply it? Do you know what I mean? Until the bairn's in the hospital with three batteries in its belly. And so this one I want to bring to you is a tremendous present and gift to you, this sermon. But at the same time, it has that little label under there that you never see or read and, uh, with a warning on it. And the warnings are great. They stop your kids dying, your clothes shrinking, your belly aching when you take your tablets after the food and not beforehand. So warnings are some of the greatest blessings in our life, but we don't like them. So, here we go this morning. Happy New You. Colossians 1.28 says, Whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. A preacher is not doing his job if he just delivers gifts every week and doesn't show you the warning tag. Every single gift and promise God gives you comes with a condition. A condition that is a warning tag. He said, if you obey this, hunky-dory. And if you don't, you're shrunk. It's great. God builds these things in so that we can enjoy his gift and his blessing. Christmas preparations for the Vine Church began last week. And um, with Alan's tremendous Advent sermon. I, I listened to it at uh, 6.45, heading over the Fourth Road Bridge the other morning, and thoroughly enjoyed every single part, and got stirred by it. And these daily prompts, I'm a prompt fan of doing things each day leading up to Christmas, building up. Advent, as Alan made clear to us, is the arrival of a notable person or thing. 
the arrival of a notable person of thing. In our case as Christians, the arrival of the king. The day the greatest happy new you or happy new birth arrived on earth. The angels were buzzing and knowing and calling out to come and see this amazing thing. And I want to read to you from 1 John in a moment. But here's the thing. The king came, the happy new you came in order that each one of you could become a happy new you. That's the whole deal. If there wasn't the need for you and I to become a happy new you, he didn't need to come in the first place. But the whole point of Christmas is that the happy new you came so that you and I could also become a happy new you. Turn to the person next to you and say, I've never seen you looking so happy. Turn to the person on the other side and say, I just lied, by the way. <laughs> in the beginning was the Word. So in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning and through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made and has been made. In him, the word form now, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light. The light is coming. It's over here now. It's not arrived yet. It's here. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came to tell about the present form. Jesus was in the form of the word and the light at this moment in time. He had not become the happy new you form that we know as the Savior King as yet. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming. So the happy new you, the Savior King, was coming, but he had not arrived yet as an earthly being. But the thrilling day was coming, and that's why there's nothing wrong with starting your Christmas preparations as early as you like, because it's... it's anyway. He was in the world... And through the world was made through him. The world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become a happy new year. He gave them the right to become a different form. The children of God. Awesome. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. The Word changed form, became flesh. The Word became a happy new Savior King for the whole of the world. 
And his message had happy running all the way through his DNA. The Word became flesh, made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who became from the Father, full of grace, his truth. And this is the mind-blowing gift I want to deliver today. The original happy new King Jesus came so that you could be one of those that do receive him to the extent of becoming a radical brand new you. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're a radical new creation. That's what the Word of God says. You're a new creation. How many people remember that Jesus' first sermon on the mount in Matthew 5 had eight, no less than eight, happies in it? Happy are those that do this. Happy are those that do that. Happy are you if you do this. Every single fiber in his being was beating so that you and I don't have to be stuck in a world of darkness no more, the work of depression no more, the work of decay no more, but you could become in every single fiber of your being a soul on fire. Didn't George and the guys do a good job on that song? Come on, give it up. And thanks for the guys at the back doing a great job. Big guys like guys. I have... By the way, that's what you call a pathetic applause. Can we just give a proper applause? Come on, guys. <laughs> Bless George. They work hard, man. They come in while you're still sleeping. All right, that wasn't quite so pathetic. Christmas is a moment in history where the Word becomes flesh. A radical, brand new form in order that you and I could shift from an earthly form into a heavenly form of a radical, spiritual, heavenly wired new creation. What if this Christmas was different to every other Christmas you ever had? What if this Christmas you didn't just wake up to welcoming the happy new Savior King? But what if you looked in the mirror and you also welcomed and celebrated a happy new you. A happy new you. I mean a radical, happy new you whose soul was on fire. How many people would love to live a life where your soul was so in love with Jesus you want to be on fire. Raise your hand if that's you. Just want to. You just you don't want to be milky mopey, you know, wiki wiki whatever. But you 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 just you just know that he didn't die. He didn't come to this earth, go to the cross and die. That we struggle, or kind of be renewed ten percent or a hundred percent. What if you woke up in Christmas Day and you celebrated the new King? with a new body and you looked at yourself and you decided this is the moment I welcome the new me in new in spirit new in body and new in mind and God has given us clear instructions how to live in the happy new you 
How many people know that obesity is costing millions and millions, but they reckon that very soon depression will be the number one killer on the earth? Depression will be number one killer. What is depression? Depression is when people have minds that are still here, filled with here. And God wants to take us to the place where your soul is on fire. I'm not going to embarrass you no more, but this is the last thing I want to ask you to do. Turn to the person next to you and say, I've got matches in my pocket. I've got matches. I've got matches. I've got matches in my pocket. He lied again. Jesus, let's get this. Let's get this. Jesus made the shift from one form to a completely new form in order that you and I become one, move from one form to a completely different form. Does your husband and wife recognize the new form? Do your neighbors recognize the new form? Do your workmates recognize the new form? Or are you still stuck in the old form, struggling and being defeated with sickness and illness and depression, all kinds of things? It says that those who were of his own kind stayed in the old form. Those who were of Jesus' very own kind, the ones you'd expect to go yabba dabba do, stayed in the old form. They don't want to make a shift. But those who got him, those who heard him, received him, and applied his teachings in their life, became born anew. Why don't we applaud the Lord Jesus Christ just for that salvation alone? It's worthy. It's salvation. Don't forget. Don't forget. Don't forget. Those who were stuck and didn't receive him, all the way from the Israelites through Jesus, were stuck in their old thoughts. They didn't make the shift. We'll come into that in a moment. Verse 11 makes it crystal clear already. He came so that to that which is his own, but they didn't receive him. They stayed in the old form. How many people know that there are some people come to Jesus, but they stay in the old form? They don't want to shift. They don't want to make the, pay the price. They don't want to take the cost. They don't want to make that cost. But God is calling us and stirring us this morning to enter this Christmas with souls on fire and welcoming on Hogmanay. Don't wait till Hogmanay to make New Year's resolutions. Start them now. Get this thing going now where you're not going into 2017 tired and defeated and struggling and worried and frightened anymore. You're going on to 2017. Yes, the circumstances are the same, but your soul is on fire. And uh, those who received him became superly naturally, supernaturally reborn by the Spirit of Christ. That's why you and I can go. Whenever the devil whispers at you, sorry, mate, you're old school. That's who I used to be. But you're looking at a spanking, brand new, spirit-born creation. And here's the thing. This Christmas, when we welcome the king's arrival, wouldn't it be great 
if we're crystal clear, we've made that shift, not just salvation, not just hearing the word, but applying the word. Applying the word. It is God's intention. Would Jesus take his intro speech to the planet and waste eight guidelines on how to be happy if it was not his intention that you and I become a happy new you? God has given us amazing wisdom in Scripture. This is the aim of my message. I'm going to fire three points quickly at this. And I hope to stir you, deepen your belly to make a decision today. Enough is enough. I'm steaming into 2017 brand spanking new. Now, your circumstances right now may be the worst ever. And every may look against it. How many people know we're not defined by our circumstances, but we're defined by the living God and His Word? This journey started for me, this sermon started for me in June the 16th, on the fourth day of my holidays, when I woke up once again sick. Probably the last 10 holidays, that's been the case. I felt so guilty and condemned because I watched my wife go off again to the swimming pool on her own as I snuggled up, ill, and a bomb went off inside me. You've got 90 plus days to 2017. Are you going to lie there? Or are you going to pick a fight? Are you going to let the Holy Spirit go through you with a dose of salts and radically change everything you think, everything you say, and everything you do? Starting with that fat belly of yours. In the middle of the holidays, along with a friend, I made a decision to start a 90 to 100 day Daniel fast, 80% raw food, only veg, only fruit, no alcohol, no dairy, no rubbish, and 20% cooked in a little treat. Today is day 72. Thanks to great doctors and great medical experts, it's been confirmed that even just in the first 40 days, every single one of my blood readings are down into the normal range. I give glory and thanks to God for that. But the whole point was picking a fight. It's not, it's not just a diet thing. It's not just this. It's picking a fight with every single thing the devil sends. I'll share some more with you. To suck the lifeblood out of you. To suck the health out. To suck the spiritual energy out of you. So that you enter 2017 half dead. Thank God I've never felt so alive and fit and healthy and, you know, and even the wife has eaten the same rubbish as me now. What kidding on is no rubbish. Number one, you've heard this before, but please, please let the Holy Spirit take these words and burn them into your souls. Three words, three steps to the brand new you. Form new thoughts. Form new 
thoughts. This is not just like little ideas, little motivations. This is spiritual, mental, and physical. Your thoughts are as real as this bottle I'm tapping up here. They're not just some kind of vague thing. Your thoughts induced with the power of the living God will determine your future. 80% plus of self-talk is negative and from the pit of hell. We've got to radically transform our minds like Romans 12 tells us to do by the renewing of our mind. And guys, we've got to get violent about this. We, gotta, we cannot feed on the Word of God, speak the Word of God, and then live as if it has no power and no re relevance to my life. There are millions of Christians bleaching in the wilderness right now because they love the Word, they hear the Word, but they're not applying it. They're not applying it to that situation. I'll get into them in. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless. Don't you just love it? There was no form. And God had a thought. Let's get some of the best form you could imagine for man, for you and me. Now, the earth was formless and empty in darkness over the surface of the earth, and the Spirit of God was hovering in the wars. I want to ask you a favor. Arrest the killer disease of feeding on negativity that denies the truth and the power of the living God. Can we agree on that? Let's applaud the Lord Jesus on that. Arrest it. Recognize it and arrest it. You must detect and defeat all hell and violent enemy lies in your mind and kick them out of your life forever. Identify and kick out of your mind every demonic lie of the devil that he comes at you with every day and feed your mind on the promises and the truths of the living God. Feed on all the I am's in the Bible. I am a new creation. I am more than a conqueror. I am a child, a royal child of a royal king. Every defeating thought. Can we have slide two up for a moment? Two, saw giant grapes. Ten, spies, saw giants. Everyone has a different definition of what a giant is. But I'm seeing, I'm talking about the giants that I see defeating Christians today. Giants are geysers. For, for those of you from overseas, geyser is someone that comes in disguise. All right. So, they're geysers, they're imposters, and they're ants. The only reason the giants had power and authority was because somebody gave it to them. The thoughts, the defeating thoughts that come to you, fears, God's not going to come through, that sickness is going to defeat you, you're going to have no job next year. 
You're going to have no money next year. You're going to be depressed next year. Every single one of them is a thought from hell in disguise. It's, it's pretending it has power over you. It's, pre- it's an imposter. It's not true. Two million people, two million believed the lies. It wasn't true. And they cried all night. They panicked and died. Died. Because of imposters, thoughts came to them. And thoughts of hell have no power until you give it to them. Can I say that again? Your fears, your discouragements, your worries have no power. They are geysers. They're imposters. They're little ants. But the moment you dwell on them, begin to believe them, and worst of all, speak them out, and before you know it, you have a giant in your life. And we're going to kill some giants today. The Bible has another word for these giants, the strongholds. The Bible says the weapons are a warfare, not flesh and blood, but they are to demolish strongholds. What is a stronghold? It is a giant that you've invited into your head and you've given them rent-free space. They don't even pay rent or poll tax or any other tax. They just, you've just, by giving them power, you're now running around. Some of you are running around with a dozen giants in your head and wondering why you can't get up your head off the pillow in the moment. But the thought... The devil comes to you with a lie and he goes around the back of your head and then he condemns you for thinking in the first place. He put it there. But the moment you dwell on it, swallow it, and then speak it out. Do you know how many Christians spend every day in their life talking about a sniffle? Hundreds of thousands of little babies are being blown apart in wars. I'm telling you something. If you keep doing that, you're going to die with the flu. Because you're inviting a giant, a sniffle giant. I couldn't believe I got up this morning and my nose, I'm not exaggerating, I went to the bathroom, my nose was running and dripping on the floor like a tap. Running and dripping. I have no flu symptoms, no cold symptoms, no illness, no nothing, but the nose is running like a tap, dripping on my feet and dripping on things, you know. Dripping. I thought, you dirty imposter, you don't even have a flu symptom. You don't even come with a cough, you punk. You don't even come with a wee sore head. You just come and run my beak. Beat it in Jesus' name. Christians, it's time to get in some warfare and fight for your health and fight for your family and fight for your workplace and fight for your resources and fight for your children and fight for your grandchildren and fight for your neighbors. But it starts with you becoming a radical, happy new you. Come and say amen. Oh, my word. Some ideas on how we get there. Number one. Number one. Quit faking it. There's the warning number one coming. Quit faking it. If you don't have the answer and you don't know what you're doing, 
Quit trying to impress people you do because you can't fake nobody. They know you can't do it. Ian and I, Dora, brilliant, starting the doctor as apprentices and uh, we both approached it differently, but I was one of those that insecure within five minutes of learning how to wire a plug. People would say, do you know how to fix TVs? Well, of course I have fixed TVs. Electrician. Beside dockyard. Do you know how to fix radios? What do you mean? Electrician. Beside dockyard. I could not bring myself until my house was full of broken kettles, televisions, radios. Every single thing I couldn't fix. Faking it. What's wrong with going, I don't know. I don't know the answer. And the person goes, oh, I feel brilliant now. Because I thought you were an expert. And I'm just a plonker. But it's great because you're a plonker just like me. You don't know either. And it sets people free when just to hear these words. I don't know. It takes the pressure off. You don't have, need to have all the answers. You don't need to have all the things, you know. When I, I was a pastor five years, and I dreaded when they said, turn to Labonticus 19. And I'm, I'm the only one raking through the index. Everybody else says, well, I know where Labonticus is. <whistles> right there. I could quote it even. I'm like, it's not even in the Bible, is it? I don't have that kind of memory. No matter how much I read. I read as much, if not more, than the average person. But I don't have that kind of memory. And so I faked it. Raking through the chapters in the Bible that anybody's seeing. Just hold your Bible high. Just turn around and go, I haven't a clue where Lebumpticus is. And um, that's why God gave me an index. Quit faking it. Just quit it. Just be yourself. Be real. Secondly, take the warnings. Take the warnings. God's leaders, whether it's in government, in the police, anyone in authority, including pastors, ministers, are there to give warnings. Do you know what's like giving warnings nowadays? The moment you give anybody a warning these days, they chuck their toys at the prom. Quit. Run. You know what? If you want to sow on fire, you should be going... Hey, David Life, Lucky, Stuart, you got any good warnings for me today? You got any good stuff for me? I, I want to, you know, if you want to be an Olympic champion, you want to get warnings from everybody and anybody. 64 years of age, and I'm coming out of a cafe yesterday morning with a two year old grandchild. Man, you know, I've, I'm finished, guys, you know. You know, when you're married to a guardian, he keeps you on the rails with everything. And then a two-year-old brand spanking new, a guardian, appears worse than her mum. She announces to the whole of McDonald's yesterday, Grandad, you never use soap when you wash your hands at the toilets. <laughs> you can't even lie. Goodness. Sweetheart, I've had that off your mum. I've had that off your granny. You're no starting. So I gave her a warning from the living God. Till we got to ceramics. And it's packed full. 
ceramics child place. I said, sweetheart, granddad needs to go to the bathroom now. Well, remember to wash your hands with soap when you go to the toilets this time, granddad, because you never do it. No, you just love it. God will send these warnings in private as much as he possibly can until finally, like he did 10 times with the Israelites, and finally goes, all right, let's just blow them out of the water. Here's me sitting, trying to impress everybody with my little coffee that I'm a little bit respectable, and she's blown me out of the water at two years of age. The Bible says, out of the mouths of babes and sucklings comes forth that kind of stuff. Philippians 4, verse 8. Now, you've heard this, and we heard it, but it's time to apply it. You've got to get up in the morning, and you've got to fill your mind with every single thing the living God has given us. Because if you don't, the imposter and the geyser will already have arrived and filled your mind with every fear. And everything is going to go wrong. And everything that could go wrong. And everybody's talking about you. Philippians 4.8 says, this is what you do with your thoughts. Take everyone captive and kick it out that don't belong. And then take every thought, God thought, and fill your mind with it. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, God thoughts, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. What percentage of your time? I want to get some volunteer reaction here. Come on, help me with this, guys. Now, no faking it, no faking it. Just give me a rough idea. If you were to take a wild guess of what percentage of your time you fill your mind with this great God thoughts as against the devil thoughts. Let's start with our young man from South Africa. How many, what percentage would you say? Being honest. 65%. I'm going to South Africa. <laughs> the truth is, when I meet South African people, they've got a bit of faith about them. They've got a bit of that stuff about them. They're, they're strong and they're upbeat. Kish, what would you say? Help us. 80%. Louise, see if you could be up. The truth. Just a wild guess. Honestly, you're not going to... You know. Of which, the God thoughts... What percent of time? But seventy percent. Sorry. So you're you're switching it to twenty percent. You just remembered you're sitting beside the wife. Twenty <laughs> percent. Appreciate the honesty, guys. Appreciate the honesty. Who else would like a go? David. How many? Ten percent. God thoughts. David, I really appreciate the honesty because we can see where depression comes from. Because if 10% is God thoughts, 90% is imposters, geysers, and ants outside your pants. But I want to challenge you and encourage you to open that word of God and flood your mind and flood your soul and flood your spirit with God thoughts, pure things, noble things, lovely things, admirable. And I'm going to be honest with you, I'm scared to announce what percentage because 
Many, many times it's good. Many, many times it's shocking. And so, some medical research indicates that the cells in your body renew themselves every 90 days or every three months. Now, I'm not going to ask you, Fiona, publicly how true that is or not. You could tell me on the quiet. She's not even here. Bear me. 90% of the cells in the body are renewed every 90 days or every three months. 90%. So, you literally, God has arranged it that you get a brand new body, literally, every 90 days. If, and here's the condition, the warning. If it's true that every cell in your body has a flight recorder and contains information, whatever information you put on that cell recorder will determine your health, your mental state, and this fire in your soul. Some brilliant research done by Dr. Caroline Leaf confirms that when you decide what goes on your cell recorders, growth in your brain changes. Physical growth changes from positivity to negativity. Physically changes. But if you feed your mind on negativity, you are developing physical negative growth patterns for negativity to flow through you in depression. The brain, it's nothing new. Romans 12, you're transformed by the renewing of our mind. We thought that was just spiritual at one time. We thought that was just mental at one time. But now through amazing research, we're discovering it is also physical. Recent research on treating AIDS patients. How about that one? Some tests was done by a tremendously high-respected clinic and doctor who claims that the AIDS patients who had a thinking and an acceptance that God is good and he's a loving father, the response to the medication was tremendously much higher than those who did not believe in a loving heavenly father who had everything under control. It's only science telling us faith works when applied. two most powerful things God has given you that if you give radical attention to you'll enter 2017 like no other year you'll enter it a soul on fire and it's a happy new year the two most powerful things you can address is your thoughts and here comes point two and your words I honestly believe if we knew what power our words had, we would not use 500 words when one will do. A disease I've grown with most of my life, and I'm working on it most of my life. 
I love talking and I love stories. Till a certain uh, local ma football manager said to me one day, very lovingly and nicely, yeah, Jimmy, why use, why use a word when 500 will do? If you have a problem talking too much, stop. Take charge of your words and choose them carefully. If you live by faith, not by sight, then you could be the happy new you like Joshua and Caleb. Two million people. Picture the scene very quickly. Picture the scene. Aaron and Moses lying on their face, howling their heads off, crying their heads off. Because two million people have decided they want to get a new leader and go back. Their thoughts are filled with the thoughts of hell. So, Moses and Aaron's lying over here. Two million are moaning their heads off. And Joshua and Caleb stand up. And they have one more go at that. One more go at the happy new you. They want to give these two million, even though these guys have blown it ten times and God's fed up with them, they want to give them one more chance. And they stand up boldly as Moses and Aaron are lying on the flare, howling their heads off. And they say, the land is exceedingly good. They were completely concerned with the goodness of God and good thoughts and a happy new future and a happy new year. The land is filled with milk and honey. It's exceedingly good. And we shall surely go in and take this land. And it says that all the people, all of them, stayed with their brains in the old farm. Filled with hell's lies. And they grumbled themselves to death. The moment you lose sight of the goodness and the glory of God, bang in the middle of all this happening, there's this line in the Bible that is mind-blowing. In the middle of that, and I'm saying this to encourage you, some of you, because some of you are sitting here and it feels like you're surrounded with two million enemies. It feels like you're surrounded with two million diseases, two million discouragements, two million. It seems like the whole world is against you and nothing's for you. That's where they were. But in that moment, it says, the glory of God appeared in the tabernacle. The glory of God was there all the time. And it's, he said he'd never leave us for He's there all the time. But I just love it. Because Joshua and Caleb didn't give up. And they hung in there and filled their minds and spoke out against the odds of two million. They spoke out. How many people know the majority is not always right? They spoke out. Two of them versus two million. It's exceedingly good. And God is going to give us victory. It's full of milk, honey, giant grapes, pomegranates. And just in case, it's almost like, I don't know why God decides to do in that moment. But it's almost like he gives them a reminder. 
of how much they've blown it. He's there. He's reigning. Hallelujah. He's in charge. It's going to be fantastic. Two million thoughts have come to you to tell you your future's going to struggle. You've had a tough life. You're from a dysfunctional situation. You're from this. You're from that. You're from the next thing. But I want to prophesy. I want us to sing that song in a moment, but I want us to sing it as a prophecy. I want you to prophesy, even though two million decide to bleach in the wilderness of disobedience, me and my house, we're going to be caught with our lips praising the living God in every single circumstance. Let the praises of God be upon your lips, the Word of God says. They gave their thoughts to the grumbling. You could ask, do you know what? What's the problem with a little bit of Scottish, a little bit of thief, a little bit of mining, moan, groan, or grumbling here and there? I'll tell you what's wrong with it. It's smacking Jesus in the face and denying his power and his victory and his love for you and his glory. Let's applaud him for his victory and his glory and his power. Come on, guys. <laughs> Hebrews 13, 17 comes, not quite with another warning, but another very important little thing on the, how you don't shrink this shirt. Have confidence. Confidence, and it's understandable, in leaders around the world, Government leaders are an all-time low, and that's understandable. Gambia was celebrating a new president yesterday. And he was happy to humbly take the job with his two wives and goodness knows how many kids. Have confidence in your leaders, the Bible says, and submit to the authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy and not a burden for that would be of no benefit to you. The second thing, very quickly, I'm going to fire through these last two very quickly as I can. The second step in preparing for a brand new you in 2017 is form new words. Form new words. You've heard me say this before, but when you're a little boy and you say, Mom, I'd like a bike for Christmas, she used to always say, I'll give you a bike, son. And then she would say, do you think, she would say amazing things like, do you think money grows on trees? And brilliant, eh? And it used, to th- it used to be the most ridiculous things forever a parent to say. I will never say those words as long as I'm alive. The first time, <laughs> Lara, you, who are you waving to? The baby? All right, okay. Feel free. I thought I was going to be wave there. Just shows you how you could be fooled. But here's the thing, guys. When you wake up one day and you hear yourself saying the same things. Come on. Are we faith people or are we faith people? Are we going to speak the words of God, the words that agree with the living God and align our speech with the living God? God said, verse 3, Genesis 1, let there be light. The power in his words was unbelievable. You have the power of fire through some proverbs. Elma challenged me late last night. She said, you know, it'd be good to get, get your head around some of these great proverbs again, Jimmy. 
You know that moment when you're, I don't know if it's, I'm the only guy in this building that gets to a point in the night where you're done and she's just born. <laughs> she's just taking some tablet, superwoman tablet, all of a sudden, 11 o'clock at night, she's alive. You've been dead for two hours. Can we talk now? Talk? What have we been doing for the last 10 hours, darling? I wouldn't talk. We're going to talk. I said, I'll read these. I made the biggest mistake. I'll read these Proverbs in the morning, darling. But the Lord knows better. He woke me at 2 o'clock this morning. Okay, up you get. It's time to read these Proverbs. 2 o'clock to 6 o'clock this morning, reading Proverbs and feeding on the fire of God to bring, hopefully, fire from God today a present today, something of the anointing of the Holy Spirit that will dynamite your depression once and for all, dynamite fears, dynamite discouragement, that will transform you from being a head into a head where we once were the tail. The Bible says we will become the lenders and not the borrowers. That's a great promise. Can we have the second slide up? 2017 could be the greatest year of your life. And I want to promise you that I want to, I want to prophesy this, 2017, as the year of your giant grapes. The year of your giant grapes. It's said that the two spies, two of the men came back, they cut off a branch, and they carried them home. You need to go to the Word of God, lay hold of His promises, cut them out, and carry them and carry them, and carry them all day long, and feed on them like the most juicy grapes. Here's my interpretation of the grapes. Everybody has one. Grapes are God's resources and provisions for every situation. How many people know the Bible says that my God shall supply all your needs? Come on. Is that in the word of God? My God shall supply all your needs. God's grapes, His promises of provisions and resources for every one of your need, every one of the sicknesses, every one of discouragements, every one of disappointments, every, situ every situation of unemployment, every situation of magnetism, God has made provision. And here comes his little warnings that keep us on track to lay hold of cutting down that branch. You read the Word of God tonight, you're going, I'm cutting that out. I'm having that. I'm cutting that one out. I'm having that. I'm cutting that grape out because it's supernatural and spiritually filled with spiritual juices. Proverbs 15.2 says, The tongue of the wise makes knowledge acceptable, but the mouth of fillies, the fillies, that's a good word, eh? The mouth of fillies, it willies. The mouth of fillies spouts folly. Proverbs 12, 13. An evil man is inspired by the transgression of his lips, but the righteous will escape from trouble. A man will be satisfied by the fruits, by the grapes, by the fruits, by the grapes, by the fruits of your words, you will be satisfied. If the words are death, you'll be satisfied with death. If your words are life, Aligning them with the word of the living God and speaking it forth into the situation. Moses was told to speak to the rock. He beat the rock and upset God. You can spend the rest of your life beating that situation, 
beating that obstacle, beating that mountain in, in front of you, beating that fear, beating that person, beating that situation. When God told you, speak to it and cast that mountain into the sea. So when Mr. Depression and Mr. Fear and Mr. Darkness comes knocking your door tonight or tomorrow morning, don't go hitting it with, oh man, it's tough. Oh, don't go hitting it with, oh man, you know. You speak to it. The words of faith and cast it. That mountain in the bottom of the sea, Proverbs 10, 14 says this, wise men store up knowledge, but with the mouth of the foolish, ruin is at hand. In other words, if we don't take our tongue and use it, then somebody else will. Proverbs 13, 3, very quickly. The one who guards his mouth preserves his life. The, open, the one who opens his, his, his lips wide comes to ruin. Proverbs 14, 3. In the mouth of the foolish is a rod for his back. This is a, that's a beautiful one. How many times have you been beaten down with your own tongue? That's what the Bible says. It says, in the mouth of the foolish is a rod for his back, but the lips of the wise will protect them. Proverbs 18, 6. A fool's lips bring strife, and a mouth calls for blows. A fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are the snare of his soul. Proverbs 21, 23. He guards his mouth and his tongue guards his soul. How many people would love to have a 2017 with your soul free from troubles? Isn't it brilliant that God gives us keys he who guards his mouth and his tongue will guard his soul from troubles. Your number one spiritual gymnasium tool. Hey, Christian guys, artistic guys, talented guys, your number one tool God's given you for victory ain't a guitar, it ain't iron pumps, it ain't ding, 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 ding. The number one tool to defeat the enemy and set your soul on fire it's the words you speak. Speak life to every rock you're facing right now and watch hell shrink and heaven expand in your situation. Your atmosphere existence and you usher in miracles and the power and presence of God to your situation when you speak them out. But if you speak out death and disease and illness and fear, you will attract I love it when it says that Joshua and Caleb got up to bring this thing. It says, it starts by saying, Caleb told the people to be quiet. I think Elma's told me that a million times, and she's right every time. Guys, see giants. They're always there. Giants are always there. Don't waste your life waiting on the giants going away or defeating giants or anything like that. The thing is, the giant can do nothing unless you empower it and invite it in with your thinking and speech. Don't worry about giants. Just walk through the giants and see the glory of God and the victory of God that's coming your way. Last point, very quickly. Form new thoughts, form new words, form new actions. The Bible says that God did all this thinking, he did all this speaking, then he formed a man from the dust. 
What if your situation feels like dust right now? What if your health feels like dust? What if your worst situation feels like dust? What if your mind feels like dust? Well, why don't you give God that dust of your thinking right now and let the Spirit of God come and radically take that dust and form it into a brand new you. Some more warnings. Quit, quit isolating yourself and start surrounding yourself with righteous people of faith. If you want faith, surround yourself. Don't hang around grumblers and toxic people who are enemies of God and rob you of your faith like the ten spies. Two million hung around with ten spies. How many people know that toxic travels farther the, faster than faith sometimes? Quit self-defeating habits. Very quickly, I want to finish on this. As I've asked the Lord to just deal with me and declutter everything in my life, I came across a little thing by Simon Sinek, a great leader. Anybody ever heard of a guy called Simon Sinek? Okay. I'm just one of these mugs that watch things like TED Talks. He's actually the third in the whole world of all the millions of TED Talks. Simon Sinek, spelled S-I-N-E-K, is the third most viewed talk. He's speaking about millennials, and what I love this, he's speaking very positively about people that's been born since 1984. And he gives great hope for that generation. I love that. One of the very few does it. People have been born since 1984, classed by sociologists as the millennial generation. They get a lot of bad press for being lazy, demotivated, disinterested, all kinds of things. But he comes out from another angle. He thinks they've been sold a bad deal. He thinks that they've been given medals for nothing. In the middle of this rebuke from a two-year-old in McDonald's, a little boy propped up beside me. He was just over three years of age, couldn't put two sentences together, and he couldn't get the biggest sports bag you've ever seen open quick enough to pull out a gold medal he had just won at gymnastics. The ribbon was bigger than him, and so was the medal. I mean, this medal was a medal that Mo would be proud of. Karate classes are hilarious, by the way. I went once, and the guy told me, he said, I'm going for my third dan, my black belt third dan on my 20th trip to Japan. And I was like, woof, I'm impressed. Until a little kid, about 11-year-old, come up to me, and he said, and next week I'm going for my black belt. Could hardly lift his knees off the ground, and he's getting a black belt as well. Because the way it works in life is that you get a medal for competing nowadays. And have you, has anybody ever gone to these trophy evenings where your child gets a trophy at sports? Have you anybody ever gone? Nipty, just me, Muggins. I'll give you a bit of advice. Then he go. They're a total nightmare. Because first you get the wee guys one, and the second and third, and then it kicks into the dopamine. 
Where you get a trophy, you get nine trophies for wiping your nose. And so the poor kids are told they're a huge success. God help the wee guy at one, because he's like, he's got nine medals on, he got one. And we're so degeneration down the river somehow with this obsession to stimulate dopamine. Simon said, Simon Sinek says, here's the problem. Kids now on iPhones and on Facebook that spend too much time on it are officially more depressed than kids who don't go on at all. Because they're on there sucking up their dopamine kicks. If I get enough likes, if I get enough kicks, if I get enough this, if I get enough that, boom, I'm happy. But if Big Jeannie doesn't like me today again and she's not like me for two weeks, they're depressed. And he says, what the problem is with this dopamine kick is that when they go to university, they need a higher kick to get the dopamine going. So substance abuse, alcohol abuse, sex, whatever, whatever will give them that kick and help them not to feel out of place at university. So rather than facing the pain of not fitting in, not being cool, not being excited, we will do whatever it takes to kickstart that dopamine so we can be accepted so we can be, and then we wonder how they're coming out of universe, universities with more than an education. Many are coming out 40,000 pounds in debt. Many are coming out addicts. Many are coming out having slept with everybody bar the postman. But I believe in that generation. I believe in that generation. I believe that generation is filled with great people. And that doesn't describe everybody by a long chalk. But I'm just talking about this thing. And as soon as I heard him say that, I did three things. I made a decision a week ago. It's only a week. And Elma, Elma keeps me on the, tr the right trail with this because she said, Jimmy, don't go rabbit on about things and then change your, your idea next week. But she's good at it and she's right. So I'm being very sensitive about this. I made a decision to do what Simon Sinek suggested. Delete Facebook altogether and give that time to feeding on the Word of God. Now, I'm not suggesting you all do that. I'm just saying this is how the Lord is dealing with me. He'll deal with you in the way He deals with you. But if you don't delete it, I would encourage you to use it sparingly and very wisely. So the first thing I did this week was deleted Facebook altogether. Some of you are like, what planet are you off, Jimmy? I've never been on it. Two, made a decision never, ever, ever to take my phone to dinner again. Never, ever, ever. Because Simon Sinek says that I don't care if somebody puts their phone down face up or face down. It don't matter. It's saying, hey, you're not important, somebody else is. Almost been telling her for 10 years. She gets annoyed. Oh, Simon Sinek says, Simon says, Simon says, Simon says, Simon says. It's all right when Simon says that. I've been telling you for 10 years. But the minute some 
tall weirdo for the other side of the planet, who could be the biggest plonker on the planet for all you know, as long as Simon says it, he's right. God's been trying to tell you for 10 years. So third one, never to charge my phone in the bedroom ever again. Now you guys don't do that. But never to take the phone into the bedroom ever again. Now some of you may have to because for emergency purposes or whatever. But I'm telling you now, I've had a week of sleep. I've had a week where it feels like I've entered the promised land. Jesus promised us comfort and peace and joy. What is Christmas about if it's not about peace, comfort, and joy? God help any grandchild that switches a phone on at my Christmas dinner. The worst thing is, I've taught them how to do it for 10 years. That's just three simple things. And I'm only sharing these things, and I'm a bit vulnerable to share them because... Because of a number of reasons, but I'm just sharing them with you to encourage you, whatever it takes, guys, whatever it takes to carve out time in your mind, time in your heart, time in your spirit to pray and feed on God's word and meet with God's people and get your soul on fire, whatever it takes, guys. So don't you go feeling all condemned, oh my word, I've got to do this, go I'm not saying that. I'm just saying what God told me. But let God speak to you. And let God anoint you today with a new fire in your soul. George, would you mind coming up and sing that song again for us, the solemn fire? And, and as we sing it, guys, this is not a message of condemnation, even though it comes with warnings. How many of you read that thing on your blouse that says, warning, and you feel condemnation. How many of you read that thing that says, stay off the grass? Wet paint. And you feel condemnation. The only time you feel condemnation is when God gives a, a little warning from his word. Isn't that weird? And yet God's warnings are to set your soul on fire. And I want to pray in a moment. And I want to invite us as one church, one family, one people, just to take a moment to say, God, I would love nothing more to celebrate the Savior birth king, the Savior king's birth. As some doctors are telling people, no longer put your smartphone in your pocket because they have evidence your sperm count drops when you keep your phone there because of the damage it does. I think that's nothing in comparison with the damage that's done here. When we give ourselves to the thoughts. Some social media is brilliant. The vast majority of it is dancing with devils. This little negative thing, that negative thing, that thing. And, and I don't want to be negative because there's a lot of great and beautiful and positive and inspiring stuff there. So don't let me lay any heavy thing on you guys that God's laying on me. But, but please allow me to stir you. Make a decision right now. Whatever the Holy Spirit shows you to change or declutter. I was laughing because I'm decluttering my wardrobe, my drawers, everything. She's like, oh, sweetheart, how many years? That's 20 years you've been telling me to do that. Never mind 10 years. I'm a slow learner, guys. Why don't we just stand for a moment?
in the presence of God. In fact, what I'll do is I'll pray before we say. Apologize, I'm going on a bit long today, but I feel I had a gift. I feel God wants people not only to live the word, listen to the word, but live, apply it. And there's absolutely no reason why every one of you can't decide today. I don't care if the devil's thrown two million blows at me, two million discouragements at me, two million sicknesses at me. I'm going to be the Joshua and Caleb. I'm going to speak out the land God has promised is exceedingly good and He is going to lead us into His milk and His honey and I'm going to feed on the giant grapes of His promises every day of my life. If that is you, applaud the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, for His Word. Not for me.